you want a satisfying career and a fulfilling family life, this is the podcast for you. Join me, Joel Lulovich, and me, Lucy Dickens, as we share strategies and advice to help you keep your balls in the air. Welcome to the Juggle Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Joe, And I'm Lucy. Welcome back to the Juggle Podcast. Today, we've got something a little bit unusual for you and for us, actually. We're interviewing two guests. We have an employer and an employee from the same organization, and they are talking to us, warts and all, about managing parental leave and flexible working and sharing both perspectives. So we have Katrina McLeod, who is the director of Cullen McLeod Lawyers. Katrina has had a varied career from working in mining camps to restaurants before finding law later in life. She now runs a thriving law firm and is very actively involved in the legal profession more broadly, especially encouraging innovation in law. And we also have Heather. Heather is a senior associate in the firm and has become a mum twice over whilst working there. Heather plays a key role in the firm's wills and estate planning team, which required her to do some careful planning, not just personally, but also with her team when she was planning her family. We had so many things to discuss with Katrina and Heather that we ended up splitting up the interview into two episodes. So this is the first of two and make sure you come back next week for part two. Just subscribe, it will make it easier so you don't miss it. Today's episode, part one, we talk about paid parental leave and Katrina shares why paid parental leave is so important to her firm. This was one of my favorite parts of the interview with Katrina specifically. I really loved how they implemented their paid parental leave policy several years ago when their business was still and is, they are still a small business, but they identified that paid parental leave was something that they were going to value and that was important to them. And that came up for them before they even had any staff who were pregnant or who were wanting to take parental leave. So I think that's really quite forward thinking and really valuable. Yeah, it is nice to see someone having that value and identifying the need before someone comes along and agitates for it in the workplace. Yeah, and especially for a small business to do that. We see that quite a lot with big businesses, but it's not so common for small businesses. So I think it's Mm. really good. One of the things that I really loved in the interview was talking to Heather about her return to work. And I particularly loved the fact that she told her employer, in this case, Katrina, about the fact that she was planning to have a baby as opposed to, hey, I'm pregnant. So she was conscious of the fact that it's not just going to impact on her and her family, it's going to impact on the team that she works with and her employer. And I think we all need to consider that because if you don't kind of make things as easy as you can for your employer, the prospect that it's going to have a really negative impact on the business and negative impact on the business can always result in negative impact on you as well. Yeah, definitely. You can really tell that Katrina and Heather have a really close working relationship, which is lovely. You can just see that there's so much trust and respect for each other and also that they get on. What our listeners didn't see is or went here is that we had a few internet issues. <laughs> just um, a few. <laughs> Well, during those downtime periods, we were just hanging out waiting for internet to come back alive and Heather and Katrina had so much fun. We were having like a little dance party to kill some time and it was just nice, you know, to see that a boss and her employees just getting on so well like that. So you've got a lot to look forward to in this episode and the next one. But before we kick off, we want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by our friends at Law CPD who offer premium online CPD courses. Law CPD are very generously offering 10 hours of professional development free of charge to a lucky listener. For lawyers, this equates to 10 free CPD points, but you don't have to be a lawyer to enter. 
No, because the courses that they offer are professional development courses. So you could learn things like learning to assert yourself or dealing with difficult clients. So don't be scared off simply because it sounds like it's a lawyer thing. You can go into the draw to win by visiting the website lawcpd.com.au forward slash the juggle competition. And all you have to do is answer one question. Where do you feel the most productive and why do you think this is? Of course, we will include that link in the show notes so you can go there and click on it if you didn't get a chance to write it down. Law CPD will select the winner at the end of August and we will also share the winner on our social media. So stay tuned there. Now on to the show. Enjoy listening. Katrina and Heather, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Me too. I am totally excited to have something different on the podcast this week, to actually have an employer and an employee who work together, who are prepared to talk about what it's like managing this whole journey of returning to work and using flexible work to make parenting and career happen at the same time. It's great. Our pleasure. So you're both really active in, on social media uh, regarding the importance of supporting parents in the workplace and lots of there's so many things to talk about when it comes to those kinds of concepts but we want to start at the beginning. So how about we start with what's your attitude to parental leave at Cullen McLeod? I think it is something that everybody has a right to and I know that's pretty controversial because it's not across the board in businesses. So At Cullen McLeod, we have paid parental leave for every staff member, whether they are male, female, old, young, lawyer, non-lawyer. In my opinion, it's a right that every employee should have, and that's why we've implemented it across the board at Cullen McLeod. When you say it's a right, do you mean that paid parental leave is a right that people should have, or you mean parental leave in general? I think parental leave number one is a right, and obviously we have the right in legislation. But I think it's not a right to have the employer pay in addition, Mm -hmm. but I think it is extremely important. So to clarify that, we offer paid parental leave to all of our staff and it comes on top of the government scheme. So Mm -hmm. it's what I call a happy medium for small businesses to be able to implement policies such as this because I'm highly, highly aware that it's an expensive policy. So some small business of maybe two or three people, this is maybe something that is either beyond their current capabilities finance-wise, but the way that we have done it, which is to work in combination with the government scheme, means that the employee applies for the government scheme and then we top up whatever their wages their salary is and top that up for a period of so it becomes three months of them being paid what they would have been paid anyway if they'd been working it's such a generous scheme for an employer and as you say it is particularly something that small businesses struggle with more than the larger businesses because it feels like a bit of a double whammy I think to small businesses because not only do they lose the staff member for a period of time but they're actually still paying them so they're having to lose the staff member and cope with who's going to do the work they're going to potentially have to pay another staff member to do the job and they're going to be paying the staff member who's not there anyway yeah so you've hit the nail on the head there is definitely a cost to it and you're absolutely right so there's the concept of paying someone to not work which is the person that you're paying for the three months whether they take it over six months 12 months three months however they take it but if we just take as an example the if they took it just for the straight three months. So you're paying someone, in fact, 
no one has ever done that. I think it's mostly six months. Would that be right, Heather? I think that's about right. Uh, yeah. On average, everyone's about six months. Or about six months. months, yeah. So you're basically paying someone to not work for you and then have the issue of either spreading their work amongst their colleagues or if that's not feasible, then paying an additional person to come in and cover that work. Mm. So you could end up paying, you're absolutely right, basically double the double the cost for covering that employee and offering the scheme. But I guess rather than thinking of it as a cost, I think of it as an investment. And that's a psychological different approach, I think, in that yes, it can yes, it costs it becomes an expense. Mm. But really it's an investment in do you want do you want to promote a workplace where people actually can have families and lives? And do you want to promote workplace where you keep great staff and you attract great staff so on a on a above below profit line pure analysis it's probably not I don't even know how to put it but if you view it in a wider view then it's it's an investment and it's in my view absolutely worthwhile so there's two things here then I'm hearing there's the talking about the social case so you've talked about the fact that you believe that people have a right to this parental leave and whether it's paid or unpaid whatever it is there's that pure societal right to to having that and then there's also the business case from what an employer is getting out of it yes and I think with any kind of initiatives in the workplace that is the two the two balancing issues for me Mm. And whether that's flexibility in the workplace, diversity, inclusion, broader issues, there, it always comes down to me to be the, the business case and what I call the social, moral, ethical case. Yes. So some people will respond very well to the social, moral, ethical, which is just for me an inherent belief that as a society, we should be trying to include as many people in that society that want to work to be able to work. So that's the sort of social, moral, ethical imperative. And then there is the business case for that, which is actually what will make it happen. So I could talk to as many managing directors, business owners as I wanted about how great it is to do this morally, socially, ethically. But if we are dealing with their fears around the challenges of it, then the business case works a lot better. So if I say to managing directors and partners around Perth that I know, that I can say, honestly, hand on heart, the working mums that I have in and around me that work with me, they are without doubt some of the best time management people I have ever met in my life and some of the most productive I have ever met in my life. And if I follow that up with some examples of statistics, then suddenly those people are seeing okay, well, maybe there is a good bottom line reason for me to be doing this flexible thing that everybody's talking about that really I'm kind of terrified about because it means that people are just going to swan in and out of the office and <laughs> not really work. And If only it was like that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, Heather, you took advantage of this paid parental leave. How did that benefit you? Uh, well, it meant I could still eat food and live in my house. <laughs> well, that's a good, that I... was good. <laughs> so it was quite important financially to have that support when I went on maternity leave. Um, for my first, I was on leave for five and a half months, but my husband was working during that time. So I had 
I spread the 12 weeks paid parental leave over five and a half months. So I was on basically half my wage for that period. So I had one and a half of an income coming in. Everything was fine. And so then second time round, my husband's at home full time and I've got my income for three months, 12 weeks and coming in of the one income. So it meant I could eat and I could feed my family and still live in my home and still give birth and have some time at home and all that sort of stuff. So it was survival. I would have had to have returned to work immediately. And that was going to be rather difficult because I can't drive for six weeks <laughs> afterwards. Um, and let alone the fact that you would quite like to spend a little bit of time with your brand new baby. Yeah, that, that would be comes- good. <laughs> you know, they, are, they are quite busy little creatures when they're first born. Um, you know, they only sleep for very short periods of time and they're constantly feeding. And um, I have these really vague, foggy memories of just basically sitting in my feeding chair all night, all day, all night, all day. Oh, is it Wednesday already? No, wait, it's Sunday. There are no days, there are no nights. So dealing with working full time and a newborn I don't know how other people do it. I only know how I managed to do it. So in terms of the fact that you had this paid parental leave, you've just said that it it gave you a a obvious financial benefit and made you feel like it was not going to be as hard uh, a task to manage, you know, having this second child. What did it mean for you more emotionally and personally? I suppose for me emotionally to have the paid parental leave, um, it's not a contractual right that I have. It's a discretionary consideration that the directors make on a case-by-case basis. And so to be awarded you know, 100% of my pay for 12 weeks is at their discretion. And so it is seen as something of a reward for seniority, tenure, contribution to the firm and things like that. So it is important for my sense of connection to the firm as well. But really, yeah, I, I was just thinking about valued. my stomach. Um, and how that was going to be filled when I was going to be at home not working because I can't live on the government paid parental leave, minimum wage for 18 weeks. I don't know how anyone lives on that. It is tiny. It's impossible. And with another child um, as well, um, although she does need a great deal, um, she's certainly catching up, um, it would be really hard. So I really relied on it. Yeah, I can see how it would really make you feel valued that your employer sees so much potential in you and they recognise your contribution and they want to help you through that phase. I think that's really important to do. Now, the fact tell that it- it's not contractual and it is discretionary means that they don't have to do anything if they don't want to do it. Mm. And, that, you know, we're all lawyers, so it's... <laughs> <laughs> so they won't do it if they don't want to do it. Yeah, <laughs> they don't have to. They're like, we don't have to do this, so, and we're lawyers, and we know that you're lawyers, so you don't have to. Yeah. And, and we all know that when people don't have to do something and they do, you value it more. Yeah, absolutely. So were you one of the first at Colour McLeod to benefit from this? I suppose, I suppose I was one of the first, but I was not the first. I think uh, there were two others before me. Josie and Beck went first. and uh, I think there was Rebecca, then Josie or somewhere else. Yeah, so I must have been fourth. Did you have this policy in place before any of your staff got pregnant or was it that someone was pregnant and then you thought, okay, how are we going to deal with this? What, what's our approach? We had it in place. In fact, it must have had to have been in place before, this is going back quite a few years, before the first employee 
became pregnant here. So we, we were kind of like a barren workforce. No one had had a baby for <laughs> many, many years. It was really strange. And one of the qualifiers is that you have to have been with us for a year. Yes. So thinking logically, we must have had it in place before she became pregnant. Brilliant. So you set out this way. You didn't, you weren't encouraged because somebody was pregnant. You'd already decided beforehand that this is important to us. And so this is what we're going to do. Absolutely. And bearing in mind that at that point, when we made the decision, in fact, now I do remember having the discussions. Mm. I was having those discussions with three male I don't know if I was a partner at the time, but pretty much I was all, they were incredibly good at treating me as an equal. I might not have been a shareholder at that time. I can't remember, but my co-directors were all men who had wives, two of whom were full-time at home wives and one who had a working wife. So it was definitely a, I think, impressive on their part that they Mm. A, did it and then B, believed it should be across the board, not just to highly performing, highly income producing lawyers. So that was a real key aspect for me that an office junior should be able to take it as much as a senior associate. So getting back to you, Heather, prior to taking parental leave, you were obviously pregnant. (laughs) Um, And I'm always really interested to know how does each individual person deal with their pregnancy because pregnancies are all different because we're all different. So did yours impact on your work in any way? Well, I've been pregnant twice only and both pregnancies were very different in how they impacted me personally. The first time I felt very sick 100% of the time and it was like being drunk without the party. (laughs) Hangover, that's exactly how I describe it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So terrible having to work through that. (laughs) Because I was just on the verge of vomiting for nine months, and but I wouldn't actually get to vomit. Oh, so it was just a constant sick feeling of oh, I'm going to be sick. Oh, I'm going to be sick, and then I don't get to be sick and have a relief. So, yeah, it was that level of nausea that was just really quite disgusting, and that I didn't like. It only impacted me having to try and deal with client meetings and yeah. meeting because I was a litigator back then for my first, and so it's a very high stress environment. Going to court, feeling like you're going to vomit not because of nerves, but because you're pregnant, it's very difficult. But you just ring your bucket and you power in and you're like, don't mind me, I'm pregnant. It's not you, it's me. And (laughs) and we get on with it. Second time round, I did not have the nausea, but I had horrible back pain because he was a bigger baby. That's what I blame him for anyway. But I just had back pain with him, but not as much nausea. So I found that, um, yeah, I was just in a lot more pain more often. So I was getting onto the floor and having to stretch and move a bit more. Did you slow down on your work commitments and kind of pull back a bit or did you just keep going and battle? I tried to keep going and I'm a bit of a martyr. I just kept plowing through (laughs) until I exhausted myself. Um, Both times I just kept going and going and going, thinking, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then the exhaustion would hit and I'd go, oh, actually, that was a bit too much. I overdid it. And certainly third trimester, uh, because I worked all the way, basically to the end and I'd have a week off before giving birth where I just kind of lie around like a whale like oh just come out already yeah. um, and it was very heavy and tiring and I could feel my pace slowing towards the end of I'm not physically capable um, because I'm tired and heavy and feeling sick and sore and things 
yeah, it was hard. It was hard harder. Uh, it's hard to be pregnant and working full time because I was also studying on top of that for both of them because I'm nuts. It just it's just those high achieving career women. It's something that we all like to do. I started my masters before I got pregnant, before any of this happened, before I got married, and I was just really stubborn about wanting to see it through. And I well, if I don't finish it now, I am never going to get this finished. Was what I was thinking. So I just kept powering through and. Yeah, studying while pregnant is awful because you bring your bucket <laughs> to class. and you're... So it's awful if you're not having a great pregnancy. So, yeah. So thankfully, pregnancy ends. And, then you... <laughs> and what about returning to work? How did you go about approaching those discussions about returning to work? I'm a bit funny about that because I actually involved Katrina in the decision well before I even got mm. pregnant. This was for the second time around, though. I actually told her about a year before I got pregnant that I was planning on falling pregnant with my second. Obviously, I have no control really over when that happened. But I said, look, around about the end of 2017, so in a year's time, noting I'm not trying yet, um, I plan on being pregnant. So FYI. Katrina, how did you feel that Heather told you about planning pregnancy? Because that's something that a lot of employees keep to themselves because, you know, they're worried about what might happen to their career if they let people know about that. So how did that feel to you? I think it was absolutely brilliant and it goes to the whole culture of whether pregnancy at work is something that you hide and cover up to the last minute or whether it's so open and accepted that women have babies and they would like to work. So how's about we work out as much as we can how we can combine the two and it just shows a really great concept of the impact of pregnancy on business that Heather would say, okay, I know this is going to have a really big impact. Yes. I will help you manage this as a business as well as I possibly can by telling you as well in advance as we can when this is going to impact the business and my job and the people I work with. And, you know, Heather's an incredible team player. So she is well aware that her not being in the office will impact everybody around her. So it's part of her thinking about every single person she's working with to plan it as best as she possibly can. And I have no doubt that the earlier that employers know, the much better it is for the entire business, for the people they work with, for the planning. An example is that we spent probably nine months trying to get a locum to cover Heather's maternity leave. So even with all that advanced planning it we just couldn't make it happen it was still too difficult but we had a lot of time to try <laughs> yeah it's so interesting Heather that you did this because commonly what is absolutely more common is when do I tell my employer do I wait for the minimum three months to make sure the pregnancy is likely to progress or do I take it later and I know for my first pregnancy I waited till I was halfway through before I announced anything and having talked to a lot of other women you know there's similar thoughts around it's going to impact on the work opportunities that you're given it's going to impact on your salary negotiations or promotional opportunities so to hear as Lucy said to hear of a situation where someone doesn't feel those concerns that's massive no I still have those concerns (laughs) but I ignored them Bluntly, I just ignored my concerns of, well, if this does impact upon my career progression and salary negotiations, well, so be it. I choose my family and I'm wanting to give a sibling to my first child. I wanted to have uh, my second baby. Too bad about the career. It just will keep going. It'll still be there tomorrow, hopefully. And I'll just take that risk. I just decided to risk it. And I think on that, there was someone, was it you or was it maybe Beck that was made senior associate either when they were on mat leave or when they came back. 
I was two weeks pregnant when you told me I had my promotion because, yeah. Right, it. yeah. And then and about six weeks or whenever it was, yeah, when I got the scan back, I, I yep. went to the office and said, yeah, actually, I'm pregnant. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it is always really great to hear about promotions and salary increases and anything happening when someone is either pregnant or on maternity leave. But they didn't so, know I was pregnant. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then you're like, no, I was trying the first time. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. Now, Heather, you just mentioned that you got Katrina involved in planning your return to work before you were, this is the second time we're talking about, before you were pregnant. What did that look like? A lot of spreadsheets, a lot of revised (laughs) spreadsheets. Heather is very, very organized. (laughs) I just really like Excel. Um, (laughs) So what was the plan? So... In, it changed a lot. So initially I was looking at, oh, maybe five months I can do it. Maybe I can do five months at home and make it work. And what does that look like? And so I mapped it. And I'm like, okay, Katrina, what do you reckon of this? We'll do this. Mm-hmm. And you know, this would be how I do it with, with Bubdesk and this is how I do it in the office. And what do you think? And I'd circulate it around and kind of have a chat about it. And then I think we settled on dates and things. And then I went mm-hmm. off and gave birth. And then, and then um, about two months later, I said to Katrina, oh, hey, so about that plan, can we like scratch that completely and can I come back now? Um, and she's like, yep, yeah, sure, okay. And then I redid my Excel and sent it to her. Okay, now this is a new plan. And it just kept changing. So I think that's really important to recognize is that you can have plans, but until you have the baby and the baby's here, you don't actually know what you want your life to look like. It's going to change. So it's really important to be able to remain flexible. Very important. You mentioned Bubdesk and we had Meg Burridge on the show as one of our first episodes, actually. And she described to us the concept of of Bubdesk and and how it works. And yeah, we think it's a great concept as well. So how has using Bubdesk helped you, Heather, aside from providing a place for you to podcast from today? True. (laughs) A very quiet place at that. It is nice and quiet here. I've really enjoyed working from Bubdesk. It's been really important for my return to work so that I can breastfeed. How often are you there? Um, So it was Tuesdays and Thursdays initially. So I'd do alternate days in the office versus bub desk. So I would only pump three days a week and then I could feed directly at bub desk on the other days. So I used it to keep my supply going and keep my sanity in check because I hate pumping. Um, (laughs) It's really awful. It's uncomfortable and it interrupts my day in a really unpleasant way. It is much easier and nicer to feed feed your baby you get a cuddle you can get a tickle you can enjoy your baby a little bit rather than sit there with with your little um machine yeah yeah machine thing whirring at you and you know I'm the only female solicitor on my level where I work in the office and so it's not like a fun talking point for us um you know I go into my little cupboard of shame um, and don't call it that that just makes it a hundred times worse but your cupboard of glory I I can show you because I'm currently here no you're in my office yeah I've actually chosen to work today in her cupboard of shame yeah so that there's frosting on my door um so that I can, I can pump. I don't need that frosting anymore, today, obviously. Um, oh, sorry, that, there you go. Somebody may need it one day, Heather. Somewhat, yeah, no, that's the thing. So first time round, we had a, had a dairy. Um, so the office on level sorry. two, it's a corner office and it had a lockable door and frosting on the door. So anyone that was a breastfeeding person could go in and do their pumping whenever they wanted. And um, 
it, fate would have it, only one person was lactating at any one time. So, you know, we didn't need a, a roster system. But this time when I was organising my return to work, I had to think, oh, because there's another woman that was coming back at exactly the same time, but she'd had a year off. And so I was texting her going, oh, are you still breastfeeding? What's going on? Which office do you want to work from? Do you need to pump? I'm going to be pumping. And so we had that discussion. But using BugDesk has, has just meant that it's been a lot more calmer because mm. I can have a whole day or two outside of the office in complete peace and quiet. It, it sounds strange because, you know, the, the BugDesk model is you are at the daycare centre. So mm. you think, oh, it'd be really noisy. No, it's actually quieter than my normal office because mm. I've got my mobile and clients do call me on my mobile. But, you know, the main line, there is no main line here. There's no mm. one else calling and people don't pop into the office to say hi. You know, you can get on with the, with the work. It's a sanctuary. And what has it meant for you, Katrina? How has it been for you having Heather off-site while still working? I think it's fantastic and I'm a strong believer in um, anyone who's at a senior level working remotely at certain points because I think you just get, when you've got concentrating work, you just get more done. So uh, the concept of it works with me. So for example, I'm hiding out in Heather's office today because I've literally moved floors because I've got some important work to do and I get interrupted continually down the stairs. (laughs) So when I saw that Heather was working remotely, to me, that was an awesome opportunity for me to take over her office. It's like a game of hide and seek. (laughs) It is. It it works too. (laughs) But so the concept I think is fantastic. And to me, it's kind of a no-brainer, but it's still strangely a revolutionary concept which is really really unfortunate I think in sort of law maybe accounting etc law is inherently a really conservative profession so the concept of grown adults governing their own work life if they're not physically in the office which has been a no-brainer for every other business probably for anywhere between five and 20 years is still seen as something really unusual and when I was discussing it with their with my business partner with even our coaching development HR consultant with other partners and law firms around Perth it was just a really big thing for them to get their head over as in well you know one of the common questions I would get would be and this is from people that have children so I don't have kids so for example my business partner said to me well what's the difference why wouldn't you just work from home and to me, from all my friends that have had children, trying to work from home with a toddler is just horrific because yes. even if you've got a partner at home who's technically you know, dealing with the child, then they know you're there and they're knocking on your door and, they're, and your body is responding physically, you know, so um, never I mind just the sheer disruption. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So to me, I thought it was a fantastic opportunity to give it a go and see if it would work. I always thought it would. So um, an eternal optimist and thought it's going to work. So we just need to get a trial period so that then we can say it has worked to then keep it ongoing. So what are some of the challenges? What was difficult to manage about it? Was there anything? Um, Other people's perceptions was the most difficult thing. So bearing in mind that a lot of people haven't heard or haven't even really seen much of remote working in law. So working in and around people who are used to people being there at the right hand physically. So there is still a perception that if you're not physically in the office, then I forget you're here and I won't give you work. And that is whether it's Bob Desk or we have another other staff that have worked remotely. So for example, Susan 
one of our liquor licensing principals is currently working from Canada remotely for a couple of months. Such a shame. <laughs> yeah, I had a chat with her today and um, she was going horse riding later this oh, afternoon. Now that's flexible working. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But the same concepts because she's not in physically in the office. So people were not giving her work. They feel like she's on holiday. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So I literally had to send an email to people saying she's still here. She's yeah. still working a full-time working week. Yeah. Just because she's not physically here doesn't mean that she's not here to take your client work. And that's inter-office people. So there's the perceptions of the people who are in the office. And what about your external people, like your clients? I have had absolutely no negative feedback from clients at all. Have you, Heather? No, not at all. That's great. Nothing changes. You know, I'm still accessible in exactly the same way. Yeah. Except if they just show up at the normal office, I'm not physically there, which could happen even if on a day where I'm supposed to be yeah. in the office. I'm in a Absolutely. meeting or I'm out doing something else. And it's very rare that clients just show up unannounced. Yeah, so that's really interesting to hear from Heather's point of view because all the people that we have that do some kind of remote working, I've never heard that the clients have an issue with it. Once they are told about it, they understand it. It's actually more the internal perceptions and the internal issues more than external Mm, absolutely. And Heather, have you found that because you're doing this working outside the office scenario for a couple of days of the week, have you found that it's affected your ability to keep boundaries between work and home family? Or do you not worry about boundaries anyway, kind of like me? <laughs> yeah, it's a funny conversation. I actually had that conversation this morning with my husband and he's like, it'd be really nice if you didn't work tonight, honey. And like, okay, I won't do work from home tonight. It can be just us and we can have mm. some couple time, okay, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that's what's important when you are juggling so many different responsibilities that uh, you have that conversation with your partner and go, look, I've got some deadlines. I really need to do this, that and the other. And I can work from home after the kids are asleep, even though I only got an hour of time last night to do it before the server kicked me off. That was not planned. I forgot that they were doing them at nine o'clock. And that was like, oh, damn it. Oh, well, it's forced boundaries for you. It was they forced boundaries. Um, but then I did your intake paperwork <laughs> instead. So I found the other stuff to do off the server. But yeah, I just juggle my work and I just fit it in when I can. And I have that conversation with my husband and say, well, this is what's going on for me. Is that okay? Is it not okay? What do you need from me to make sure that we're both you know, achieving what we need to do from work? Yeah. It's about managing all the different expectations from all the different people. Yeah. Now, it's not just women at Callum McLeod who work flexibly. We understand that two-thirds of your staff are not full-time, which is a pretty cool number, I think. Sorry to leave you on that cliffhanger and you are just going to have to come back next week for more talk about flexible working at Cullen McLeod and how they make it work, not just for working parents, but for everybody at their firm. The easiest way to make sure that you don't miss it is to hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. And also don't forget to enter the Law CPD competition to win 10 hours of professional development. This is an awesome opportunity for any career professional. You can enter by visiting lawcpd.com.au forward slash the juggle competition. And you just need to answer the simple question, where do you feel the most productive and why do you think that is? So easy. Give it a go. You'll find the link, as Lucy said earlier, in the show notes. So take it from there and make sure you enter. What have you got to lose? Nothing. That's all from us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Stay tuned for next week. 
And of course, if you want to continue the conversation with us, come and join us on Facebook at The Juggle Community. See you next time, everyone. Happy juggling. Happy juggling.